If you have your Bible with you this morning, could you turn with me please to Exodus chapter 20 as we are continuing our series of studies on the Ten Commandments. And today we're coming to commandment four. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And then over the next subsequent weeks, we will, of course, begin to look at honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. And let me give you a little word of warning. When we get to you shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, I will be addressing some sensitive topics. And I will be dealing with them, I hope, in an open, transparent manner. If you have wee ones who regularly come with you at the 8.30 service and you would rather go to the 11 o'clock service that morning when there is children's church available for our children, uh, that would be entirely understandable. But we will be dealing with some sensitive uh, issues of the sanctity of life and abortion. We'll also be dealing with adultery and the ripple effect and fallout of that toxic behavior. So those are coming up, but just to give you a little heads up. Now let's continue with the reading of God's word at Exodus 20, verse 1 through 11. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the father to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from his holy word. Over the last couple of weeks, college football fans throughout the nation have been particularly excited that their favorite season has arrived at last. And they are very much looking forward to all that the season holds for them. And come game day, they get incredibly excited and can't wait uh, for game day to arrive. And I've mentioned this to you in the past, and it seemed appropriate again this morning, that college football fans will issue family and friends the following memo. Number one. Do not call me after 8 p.m. on Thursday nights or after 10 a.m. on Saturdays. Number two, if you decide to text me during a game, it had better be to ask, did you see that? Number three, if someone is injured, call 911 before you call me. They'll probably answer, I won't. 
Number four, if someone is badly injured, do not call me. There's obviously nothing I can do, and there's no need for both of us to be concerned at the same time. That's what you call focus on game day. Number five, if you're confused about my availability until February, please refer back to rule number one. And of course we smile and laugh at that because we recognize folks who think along these lines if we don't ourselves. And of course, college football season is an exciting time. Fans prepare for months before the season kicks off. They're looking forward with a great sense of anticipation. They don't schedule anything else on game days, and they're going to be there to help support and encourage their team. Now, you might be thinking, Richard, okay, I think I understand what you're saying, but quite frankly, I think we could learn a thing or two from college football fans. Richard, don't you think it would be a good idea on a Sunday morning for the congregation to have a wave every now and then? Would that work? What if we could get as excited as they are? Would it be a terribly bad thing if on the screens up came the flashing announcement, make a noise? Would that make a difference to a Sunday morning? Could we, and I'm thankful the choir's not here, could we inquire, encourage the choir to toss each other up in the air like cheerleaders? That, I think, would be worth seeing. I think our numbers watching on our live stream would go up significantly if that was happening on Sunday morning. And if you're tempted to think along these lines, please remember, we're Presbyterians. We don't get excited very easily, so just go nice and easy. But my point in all of that silliness is this, that the sense of excitement, anticipation, expectation, when going to a game, what if we had that kind of excitement about the fourth commandment? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Coming to church with that genuine sense of expectation that we are meeting with the Lord God Almighty. That we pause in His presence and prayer. That He welcomes us with open arms and delights when we enter into prayer with Him. Would that make a difference for us on Sunday morning? Now, we live in a world that is dominated by smartphones, texts, emails, social media. And, of course, they are helpful and productive in a working environment. They also lead to a frenetic pace of life. When we find ourselves so busy in a modern 21st century setting that at times we are unable to discern between the essential and the non-essential. There are moments when we feel overwhelmed, overscheduled, in danger of depleting our energies, losing our focus, never having enough time for family, friends, those we love. And you may be saying, Richard, I agree wholeheartedly and I regularly feel like that. But Richard, don't you see the self-contradiction in what you're about to tell us? 
You've already told us that at times we are overscheduled, overwhelmed, overtired, and now you're asking us to do something else in the fourth commandment. Does that really make sense? Come on, don't give us something else to do. Surely that's contradictory. Well, if you're tempted to think along those lines, you may be tempted also to think, quite honestly, Richard, I don't need something else to do. And incidentally, I'm sometimes tempted to think that the fourth commandment is a little redundant. Because on Sunday morning, I could be doing so many other productive things, things that I don't get around to during the week. And it would make a difference in my life if I had those extra hours to do what I wanted to do rather than be here. And if that thought has crossed your mind, you may be in a similar boat to Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft. Several years ago, he said this, just in terms of allocation of time resources, Religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could be doing on a Sunday morning. Ever feel that way? Those of you watching on our live stream broadcast, has that ever crossed your mind? Well, if it has, come with me please and explore the fourth commandment together. And begin to tease it out and say... Was it of relevance and significance back then when it was first written? Or does it really have anything to say to us today? Is it relevant? Is it significant? Will it make a difference? Well, notice how it begins. Verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Notice how it begins. And it begins with the word, remember. It doesn't simply begin with, keep the Sabbath day. So the question is, why remember? Is it simply God saying, remember the commandments? Or is there more to it than that? Could it be the word remember here is used in the same way where we would say, remember... A wedding anniversary. Remember your child's birthday. Remember the things that are priorities and important in our lives. And I would imagine that none of us, when approaching a wedding anniversary, would somehow think, Oh yeah, I I knew it was someday this week. Do you think that would work with a husband or a wife when you forget the wedding anniversary? I suspect not. If you're buying a birthday gift for a child in your family, you want it to be age and stage appropriate. You want it something that will be compelling, something the child will, their eyes will light up when they receive it and say, thank you, that's exactly what I wanted. Not only age and stage appropriate, but something particular to them. All of that is contained in this opening word. Remember the Sabbath day. Treat it in a similar fashion. If it's an anniversary, of course, you will try to book a table for a meal. Flowers, occasionally jewellery, 
would help. That perfect gift to remember. And as you celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and Christmas and Easter and the big occasions in our lives, we mark that day off in the calendar. It's a special day. It's a day when we don't do anything else. It differs from every other day. And likewise, on a Sunday morning. And when we're called to remember the Sabbath day, it's not about productivity, rather it's about priority. That's the point. That as Christian people in our calendar, we mark off a Sunday morning because we know we will be here at worship. We should never find ourselves getting up on a Sunday morning and saying, you know, I'm not sure I'll go to church this morning. It should be a settled matter. It should be our natural instinctive response to Sunday morning. That we're going to be right here encouraging others. This is my team. I want to be here to support. I want to be here to encourage each other. I want to be here to model for my children and my grandchildren what a relationship with Christ looks like and how they also can know the joy and blessing and excitement and deep intimacy we have when we walk with Him. How often in the past have we said that this generation learn with their eyes and think with their heart. And if it's a low priority for us, it will become a low priority for them. It's about priorities, not production. You have six other days in the week for production. Priorities. Let me ask you to use your imagination. Let me probe a little further. If this morning you had one hour to sit down with Jesus, enter into a conversation with him, how would you begin that conversation? What would you say? What would be the greatest need in your life this morning? Would it be for a spouse wrestling with dementia? Spouse who no longer recognizes you? Is needing critical nursing care? That's a heavy burden. Would it be a family member going through chemotherapy, radiation, Because cancer has been discovered and you're uncertain about the future. Would it be for a grandchild or a great-grandchild? You're concerned about their education over this past year with all of the vagaries of the COVID pandemic and you're concerned what the next year will hold. You're concerned about COVID itself. A member of your family has contracted it, been infected, Lungs still not working the way they should. Strength in limbs not what they once were. Would that be your concern? Praying for grandchildren or children thinking of college and their future. Others in your family looking for promotion at work, moving house, perhaps to another state. 
praying for your own children, and you pray for each night as you tuck them into bed, concerned about them and what the world holds for them, how would you begin that conversation with Jesus? How would he respond to you? I suspect this, that that conversation, not only would it be a priority, but it would probably be the most productive conversation you will ever have. In Mark's Gospel, at the end of chapter 1 or towards the end in verse 35, Jesus had had an incredibly busy day. The scene takes place in Capernaum, where Jesus had taught at the synagogue that morning, which tells us it was on a Saturday. And he taught all day long. And it tells us that evening, the entire town gathered at the home he was staying in. New Testament scholars will tell you that back then, Capernaum had a Roman garrison. It was a major, it was on a major trade route north. It also had a synagogue, which tells you there was a sizable population estimated somewhere between eight to ten thousand people. And Mark tells us the whole town gathered and he healed many with diverse diseases and sickness. And then we read these words. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now remember what the passage had said moments ago. The whole town had gathered at the door, and Jesus had healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. Can you imagine how emotionally and psychologically draining that kind of day would be. I would have to tell you that I would be looking to lie in a little the next morning. I would be looking for a gentle start into the day. But not Jesus. What he does is very telling. And it tells us this, that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up and we left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. The question is why? Because he wanted, he was intentional, he was deliberate about spending time in the presence of his heavenly Father. He needed to be refreshed and renewed. Was he exhausted? Was his energies depleted? Absolutely. But he needed to spend that time in the presence of his Father to be refreshed, comforted, encouraged, strengthened, equipped, enabled for the rest of his ministry. That's a picture of the Sabbath day. Drained of all energy, emotionally weak, yet intentional and deliberate in his actions and activities. He was seeking a quiet place, a place of no distractions, a place he would not be interrupted, a place where he could, and please hear this, enjoy intimacy with his Father. That's prayer. 
That's why God calls us, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Mark it off in your calendars. Treat it as sacred. Treat it as that space where you can stop all other activities and spend your time with Him. Moments of devotion, unimpeded adoration, wholehearted single focus on the unparalleled goodness and love and the matchless grace of God. And the passage tells us this. When Peter and the other disciples came to find him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Come back. And Jesus says, that's not why I have come. I have come to preach and teach in the synagogues here in Galilee. And he went off in a different direction entirely. Why? Because he sensed again the call of God. He sensed again the priorities in his life. And this morning when we think of remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, what are we thinking of? We are thinking of worship. Make it a priority. Come with a sense of anticipation and expectation. A sense of longing that when you open up God's Word, He speaks from its pages into our lives and renews and refreshes us. Think of it in terms of that conversation where your deepest needs are met where prayer and commitment is birthed and strengthened, and you're reminded that a relationship with Him is predicated on prayer. Prayer is integral and indispensable if we are ever to mature in our faith. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Don't do other things. And notice what else it says. Keep it holy place of prayer. It's not a place for smartphones, tablets, social media, TikTok, Facebook. It's a sacred place. It's time spent in His presence. And what else does it say? Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God On it you shall not do any work. And he goes on to say, Neither should your son or your daughter or your maidservant or manservant spend time with them. Spend time catching up with them. Listening to them. Engaging with them. Being there for family and friends and those you love. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Put prayer at its center. Earlier this morning, Bob reminded us of the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I had been thinking back this past week to that fateful day. And I was thinking particularly about United Flight 93, which departed from Newark in New Jersey at 8 a.m. heading for San Francisco. And after about 45 minutes, it became clear to the passengers on board, in fact, it was less than, than that, it became clear to the passengers on board that something was wrong. 
an announcement came over the Tannoy system to say a hijack was in process, there was a bomb on board, they should remain quiet and seated. Several of the passengers used their cell phones to call loved ones. And an individual whose name you will know, Todd Beamer, contacted the cell phone operator. He explained what was happening. The operator, with great presence of mind, asked him all of the details that was involved, asked him to not to close down the phone on his side, but to leave the line open. Lisa was her name. She contacted the FBI. The FBI came onto the phone, talked to Todd. And towards the end of that conversation, Todd said, we have a plan. We're going to take action as passengers. And here is the transcript issued from the telephone company. Lisa, who's the operator, Todd, what are you going to do? Todd responds, we've hatched a plan. Four of us are going to rush the hijacker with the bomb. After we take him out, we'll break into the cockpit. A stewardess is getting some boiling water to throw in the hijackers at the controls. We'll get them. We'll take them out. Todd, Lisa, will you do one last thing for me? Lisa, yes. What is it? Todd, would you pray with me? And together they pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive our trespassers. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And a second prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Todd is then heard to say, God help me. Jesus, help me. He then clears his throat, speaks to the other passengers. Are you guys ready? When you are tempted to think that prayer is unproductive, has no significance, meaning, or relevance, and that remember to keep the Sabbath day is little more than an unproductive morning, please, please, please remember the significance and value of prayer. It was never unproductive for Jesus. It is never unproductive for us. It was never a waste of time for Todd who in his last moments here on earth sought the presence of God. As Christian people, our job this week is to firmly ingrain in our mind and take all of the resolution we can and commit to be able to say, as for me and my family, we will henceforth, 
Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this reminder this morning of the importance of spending time in your presence. Please forgive us for the moments when we are tempted to think it is unproductive and we could be doing something else instead. Help us to remember that the Sabbath day is not about productivity, but rather it's about priority. At its heart, it's about a relationship with you. Father, help us, please, to remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy and make it a priority in our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.